I want to welcome you. I'm going again to stand in Pastor Karabo's shoes while he's away in uh, Cape Town uh, on some preaching assignment that side. Um, today, we're going to talk about the Lord's cry of victory. The Lord's cry of victory. Just a week ago, the Jews were celebrating the Passover. And the Passover, it is what gives us the holiday that we always call Good Friday uh, and Easter uh, Monday. The timing is actually coming from the Jewish uh, calendar. So this is happening almost 2,000 years after our Lord Jesus Christ descended on this earth. In a way, the way we, we do count our time is actually with reference to our Lord Jesus Christ. We call it AD after the death of Christ. So when today is 2019, it's approximately 2019 years after our Christ, uh, our Lord reached out for us. So in today's uh, sermon, we're going to read from John chapter 19, verse 28 uh, to 30. John chapter 19, from verse 28 to 30. If you are there, I'll, I'll read it. Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the high soap plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Shall we pray? Our mighty and heavenly Father, we thank you for the beautiful words our Lord spoke while on the cross. Please, Lord, it is our prayer that you might help us to learn from the words that you uttered. For we have prayed in Jesus' name, our Lord. Amen. Uh, words spoken before a man dies, especially if one was a statesman or a noble person, if he was an elderly in the family, these words, they naturally captivate the interests of those who are remaining behind, those who are remaining alive. The final words, they give us a perception of what the one who is departing valued and stood out for in life. They give us a sense of direction and give us energy to go on with the vision of the departed. So, words spoken when a person is on the deathbed, they are of particular importance to us. I also remember my, 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 my dad, um, just a few uh, uh, days before the Lord took him, 
he said some words to me which still reverberate to me when he was saying to us, take care of your other siblings. So the word spoken when a man is there, uh, naturally in my culture, they gather together and they start asking you, did he say something? Do you, did you, did you say we're supposed to do this? It's natural, natural in us that we have got great interest in what the departed has said. About 10 years ago, there's someone who left the words, this is it. I think all those who follow uh, the news, they know it was Michael Jackson, MJ. He was about to uh, perform one of his greatest uh, 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 sessions before the world. And he dubbed the, uh, uh, that, uh, this is it. And even today, we ask ourselves, what, what really was it that he wanted to perhaps uh, show or explain or demonstrate uh, to, to us? There was one guy who said these words, so little done, so much to do. So little done, so much to do. Those who, re who follow, it was Cecil John Rhodes, just shortly before he passed on. These were his words. So little done, so much to do. What was his dream? In one of his dreams, he writes, I would annex the planets if I could. I often think of that. It makes me sad to see them so clear and yet so far. His ambition was to take the whole world for, uh, for the British. You remember very well, he is the one who wanted to join the Cape to Cairo. And today that road exists. It was Cecil John Rhodes' dream. So the words that a man leaves you with, they help form, they help you can actually perhaps summarize the, the life of a man through the words that he leaves you behind. In the final hours of our Lord, he spoke seven times while he was on the cross. This is commonly known as the seven words uh, or sayings of Christ on the cross. The seven words or the seven sayings of Christ on the cross. To those who like to read, there's a beautiful uh, uh, a write up uh, done by A.W. Pink on the seven sayings of Christ on the cross. If you can get hold on to it, it will help you learn a lot uh, about the, uh, the meaning of the words that he said. Remember, one of the words is, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. You remember that one? It reverberates with almost everyone that how could a man who was in such pain pray for those who were attacking him? He also says, to the other guy who was hanging on his, uh, one of his sides, he says, truly I said to you, today I will be with you in paradise. Those are some of the words that our Lord Jesus Christ said. And then he also said to his, his mother who was following, there, getting really uh, troubled by the kind of treatment his son was going through. He says, woman, behold your son. son." your mother. These are the words Christ spoke. The other sayings, he also said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which many of us know. And I remember there was one bright musician here in South Africa who sang about those words, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabakatan. Remember that 
these were the words spoken by Christ. And he also said these words, I thirst. I think we, wrote, we, we have just read, read those words, I thirst. And in that, if you read further, he said, it is finished. And the last words before he committed his, uh, 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 before he died, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. These are the seven sayings of Christ. But today I've chosen to dwell on one of those sayings, which is, it is finished. What did the Lord mean when he says it is finished? We have just read about it. It naturally sparks an interest in you to find out why would he say it is finished while he's hanging on the cross. These are the last words of Christ before he committed his spirit to the Father. We must pause, we must meditate on these words. What is it that he called, he referred to as being finished? To our brothers, we have studied a lot of this grammar. They tell us that the word there, it is in Greek, it refers to, uh, it is actually the tense that is used is called the perfect tense. The perfect tense uh, uh, used there helps us to understand that it is different from the past tense, which looks back to an event. The present tense says, uh, this is finished in the past. It is still finished in the present, and it is, will remain finished in the future. That is the sort of uh, uh, understanding that you derive from the way the Lord said it. Yeah. It was finished in the past. It is still finished in the present, and it will remain finished in the future. What is this that was accomplished? What is this that was completed? Christ used and demonstrated the power of speech to the Greeks of the day, it was actually a, a, the best or the, the highest form of ability to be able to summarize things in just one way. It was one of the uh, uh, greatest ability. So our Lord, naturally being God, he used this word. It is finished. He summed up the entire mission he had come for in one way. He said, it is finished. The great purpose of God in the history of mankind was now accomplished. I'm going to speak on three uh, 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 points that will help us to understand what the Lord meant when he said it is accomplished, it is finished, it is completed. What was completed? Number one, he had accomplished the fulfillment of all the prophets uh, 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 which had been all the prophecies which had been written on him before he should die. He had accomplished all that was said. And even John, in the book that we have read, if we go back to verse 28, later, knowing that all was now completed, all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled. So, when Christ says it is finished, he is referring that everything that the prophets prophesied, everything that Moses wrote, everything that uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, Habakkuk, 
Malachi, all the what they said, had now been fulfilled, had now been completed. All they spoke before uh, that what should happen before he, he, he died had been had been prophesied, had been completed. Look at Genesis chapter three, verse fifteen. Straight away you hear the prophets when it says the woman's seed is going to bruise uh, your head. This was in reference to Christ. Straight from the beginning of the gospel. So Christ is saying this was fulfilled. Yes, it was fulfilled because Christ was born of a woman. When the Bible says in Micah 5 that Christ would be born in Bethlehem. Indeed, this is what happened. He was born in a Bethlehem of Judah. Remember, when the, when the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that a, a mother, his mother, would be a virgin. This is what is actually, a, 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 what actually happens, which actually baffles the world. Even today, 800 years before Christ, Isaiah was writing about it. <laughs> he was writing about it. The prophets were talking about it. Moses, I don't know how many years you can put when he wrote the the, the, the book of, uh, of Genesis. He saw and spoke about Christ, about one who would come, the like of him. And look at the beautiful symbol, the beautiful picture. When we see, uh, when we see Isaac about to be offered, it was, it was a type of Christ. There the Lord was already preparing us for the coming of Christ our Lord. So when, we, when the Bible spoke about uh, someone who was going to, one of his friends would betray him, Judas does so. Not that he was uh, 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 being led by the Lord to do so. Out of his own volition, out of his own will, he did betray the Lord. The Lord saw it in his foreknowledge and his foresight. When the Bible talks about false witnesses, against uh, who would come against him uh, against the uh, the Lord Jesus Christ this is what actually happened so if we read Isaiah 53 we can actually take point after point a very beautiful scripture that you also must be acquainted with you remember that uh, 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 that eunuch who was reading Isaiah 53 and was not understanding it until the spirit uh, uh, through through Philip he started explaining to him. You remember? So if that eunuch could read Isaiah 53, will you also fail to read Isaiah 53? You must know Isaiah 53 because it is a real account which was seen by Isaiah 800 years before Christ came. And this was almost point after point fulfilled in Christ. So the last prophecy before he committed his spirit to the Father had been fulfilled. And thus he cried, I thirst. When he cried, I thirst, this was in fulfillment of Psalm 69. They put gold in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. When he said, I thirst, and they gave him that vinegar, that, you, 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 that, that sour kind of wine that they gave him, and then when he drank it, he gave up his spirit. It is finished was in reference that all the prophets, all that the prophets said, he had said about Christ, it had now been fulfilled. That is why 
in Matthew 5, verse 17, we hear that the Lord says, I did not come to abolish the law or the prophets. I came to fulfill them. John helps us to understand that whatever happened to Christ was according to what was prophesied. So it is finished. It is finished in the sense that what was said about Christ had now been fully done. Point number two. When Christ says on the cross, it is finished, he is referring to the completion of his sufferings while he was here on earth. Perhaps the film of 2004 titled The Passion of Christ helps to bring home the sufferings of Christ if you have never watched it. If you did, you will see how they, uh, 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 the, the directors of that film sought to try and portray what went through the sufferings our Lord went through. He was a man of sorrows, so says Isaiah. He suffered at the hands of his own creation. The people whom he had created, he knew them, them by name. He, he, he suffered at the hands of Satan, and he suffered at the hands of God. The sufferings which Christ went through are true sufferings. It wasn't like a, 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 a drama of some sort. Here was the actual suffering. And if you read very well, you'll find out that most of our scriptures that we refer to and we talk about, we talk about the sufferings of Christ to help, uh, uh, to, for us to learn uh, 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 from him. In Matthew 16, verse 21, Jesus predicted his own death. And remember, when he had, uh, 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 Peter had just said something, uh, 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 when he had said, Peter, that you are the Christ, when the, the, the great confession about Peter, when Peter had confessed that Jesus Christ was the, 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 was the Christ, the Messiah, sent the Son of God. Shortly after that, something happens to, 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 to Peter. Peter starts telling the Lord that, no, you mustn't go to suffer, isn't it? You mustn't go. No, 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 no. And I, I'm sure Peter, the way we know Peter, he took him by the side and said, Teacher, what you're saying is wrong. We don't want you to go and suffer. And, and, and then the Lord turned and said, Get out behind me, Satan. The first person who had confessed that you are the, son, you are the Christ, when the Lord rebuked him, he saw what was behind him, that this was the devil's plan to stop our Lord to go and experience the sufferings. So, the sufferings were real. He was delivered into the hands uh, uh, of the Gentiles. Uh, you, know, you know the unfairness of the trial of, of, of that happened to our Lord Jesus Christ. When they came and took him at night, someone was saying, what happened there? is what actually the secret service people do. When they come, they come at night to take you. So they came to take the Lord at night. Yeah. And you know how they, they, they don't want to be, to be seen. These were the priests, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law who came with weapons and Latins. That's why Peter drew out his sword and cut one of the servants, this ear. And when it dropped down, the Lord says to Peter, no, 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 no. no. Let us not use swords. They that he, he, he live by the sword will die by the sword. He picked that ear and put it back to the servant, Malchus, and he was all right, and he was okay. But I'm sure 
that experience was going to stop a, a, them to continue to make an arrest of the Lord. But they did. Uh, they did that. And when they did that, the trial was so unfair, beginning at night into the early hours of the morning until the judgments were, were passed. And remember when they took him to, to the Anas, who was a former high priest, and then they, when he was there, they tried to uh, uh, pick up charges against him, which were really baseless. And when Anas had finished with him, he was taken to the high priest, uh, Kephas, and they, the high priest, they, until they found one small flimsy uh, 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 charge that he was making himself the son of God. And for that, he was, they said he was supposed to die. And when they took him to Pilate, when he came to Pilate, and Pilate there, he, knowing that this was not the real uh, charges, he tried to plead his innocence. But when he saw that there was this man called Herod Antipas, who was the, the leader, who, who, I mean, who was the governor of part of that place, who was the governor of Galilee, Herod, you know, he sent him to Herod. Now Herod, by that time, I think Herod had come to the Passover feast. He had also come there. So he sent the Lord there. And when he went to Herod, remember, I'm just summarizing the trials and the sufferings the Lord went through. When he went to Herod, Herod made, made fun out of him. He said, can you make a miracle for me? I've heard you have been making a miracle. Remember, this Herod is the one who had taken Herodias to be his wife, his brother's wife. He had taken it. And John the Baptist had told Herod uh, that what you have done is wrong. So when he got an opportunity to see Jesus, he tried to make fun of him. He tried to try and make him uh, give them a miracle, but he couldn't get any charge against him until he sent him back to Pontius Pilate, who was the, the, the governor. So Pontius Pilate, when he could not see any problem with the Lord, he then delivered him to be to, 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 be, to, to be insulted, to be flogged. You know, the flogging was so terrible. It was so terrible that the Lord really, before this event had done, it happened, the Lord was praying so hard that if this flogging could be swept aside, if this suffering could be swept aside, he had asked his father for it, that put, can we put this thing aside? But finally, he corrected himself that no, this cup must uh, pass, not my will, but your will be done. So when he says it is finished, the Lord is referring to the end of his sufferings. He, the sufferings now are, 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 are finished. He has done his part. Uh, uh, he has finished the, the sufferings. You know, these sufferings were true because from the onset of his ministry, remember when he was at the wedding of Cana, when they was the wine had run out, they actually asked. The mother said, "Go to him. That that man is, he can help you with your situation." And when they went to him, and he, he he said to his mother, "Woman, my hour is not yet come. What hour was that? It was. The, it it meant he knew very well that the sufferings would be there. So the sufferings were real. The Lord had signaled this. Uh, 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 he knew very well, being God." He knew that he was going to experience uh, those sufferings. Now the sufferings have ended. It is now time for him to commit his spirit 
uh, to, to the Lord. The third point I want to bring home this morning concerning why the Lord says it is finished. The goal of the incarnation had been reached. What was this goal? In God, the triune God we, whom we worship, we, we believe there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the, the Spirit. They have got different offices that they, they function. So God the Father is concerned mainly with the government of the world, while the Son is concerned with the work of redemption, the work of coming down to, uh, uh, to help us uh, restore our relationship back to, the, to God. God the Spirit is concerned with the scriptures, inspiring the word, inspiring the scriptures to bring to us that desire to, uh, 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 to, to, to love God. So, when Christ says on the cross, it is finished, he really meant that the goal of the incarnation, the goal that the Lord had set, had now been uh, completed. In John 17, prior to this event, Christ is praying and he says to, the, to his father, I have finished the work you gave me to do. I have finished the work you gave me to do. So this is signaling that the work has been done. The plan of God had been fully carried out. This was the plan that God had conceived before time, how he would reach out to, 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 to mankind. Peter preaching in Acts 2, he says, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you wish the help, and you with the help of the wicked man, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. Peter is actually helping us to unravel, to us to understand that the goal of, of God that he had in mind was to send his son to reach out to the world, to reach out to everyone. So this goal has now been achieved. This goal has now been accomplished. It is finished. That's why the Lord said it. It is finished. So from those three points that I've just spoken about, there is a lot that one of the days about what the Lord meant when he said it is finished. I would like to bring it home to you how this affects you as when the Lord says on the cross it is finished. To you and me, this is a call to find Christ in the scriptures. Because the scriptures are clear. When everything that was prophesied was fulfilled, the Lord said it is finished. The challenge to you is do you find Christ in the scriptures? Paul summarizes it well for us when he says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried according to the scriptures. Everything that ever happened to Christ was according to the scriptures. And why is it that we are so weak to consult the scriptures when everything that ever happened to Christ our Lord was according to the scriptures? We are a privileged generation. A generation that is far, far, far better than the prophets who existed, who talked about things that they didn't know about. Isaiah wrote 800 years about things that he didn't know about. But he wrote word after word 
what he wrote was fulfilled. And we are the modern generation, the technology generation, the generation that is going far beyond the moon, the generation that wants to go to Mars, the generation that is about to mine the meet the, the, the those rocks that are the, the meteors that are in the in, in, in the universe. We are a, a real generation that is that is privileged a lot, but we are still weak in finding Christ in the scriptures. So the challenge is, do we now get to work on ourselves and find Christ in the scriptures? Because it is there. Whatever happened when Christ says it is finished, it was pointing, everything was pointing to him. So this is my challenge to you. Uh, let us try and find Christ in the scriptures. When Christ says it is finished, Christ's suffering was not stage managed. It was genuine. The cup of suffering was real. He prayed till he sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Though he was God, yet he found time to pray. And that cup that was to pass, the cup of wrath that was to come before him, he, at one point in time, as a man, he shivered at experiencing that kind of suffering. So, what does scripture say? Scripture says he suffered death so that by the uh, grace of God, he might test death for everyone. That is what Hebrews 2 verse 9 says. He suffered death that he might taste death for everyone. So Christ's suffering, it was for you and me. The gospel has never come cheaply. Remember the book that is there by Mark Denver. The gospel is never on the nine marks of the, of the church. He helps us to unravel that the gospel has never come cheaply. Though we may say, just believe, and be saved. It is not cheap. It meant the Son of God Himself. He was God. Though He was God, yet He thought it not robbery to bring Himself down and make Himself like you and me. He tasted death for everyone. Hebrews 2, verse 9. He tasted death for everyone. Are you living a life that honors Christ for all His suffering? He suffered for you and me. In God sending Jesus incarnate, he had you in mind. When God sat down and brought up this plan, he had you in mind. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. That is what scripture says. And I'll conclude by a very, very wonderful scripture that every one of you is expected to, 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 to know by heart. For God so loved David that he gave him his only begotten son, that if David believes in him, David must not perish but have everlasting life. So says the scripture. So that's why God came incarnate. That's why Christ says it is finished. He had finished everything for David. And the same thing, Christ finished the work for you. You can become God's son, God's child, God's daughter. He is ready for you. He finished the, 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 everything needed to restore your relationship uh, to him. So with these few words, I want us to meditate uh, seriously 
on, on this few words Christ said, John 19, verse 13, it is finished. I want us to meditate throughout the week as we think about what God did, what it is he finished in our life. He finished the process for us to restore the relationship with him. He has loved you with an everlasting love. Amen. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you for sending your own begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come and taste death for us. Thank you that through his sufferings, through his coming as God incarnate, you helped to take away the wrath that was supposed to be ours. He took it on him. And thank you, God, for the beautiful thing that you did as you fulfilled the scriptures. Thank you, Father. You heard us in your mind. You knew about us, and you prepared a way for us to be restored to you. As we go through this week, meditating on this scripture, it is finished. Help us that we might honor you with our lives that really reflect the Lord whom we have believed. We have prayed this in Jesus' name, our Lord. Amen.